Have you seen the Lord do enough to trust him and to believe him for the miracles that you need? Has the Lord brought you far enough? Has the Lord brought enough miracles in your life to cause you to trust him and to rely upon him and praise him for the rest of your life? Could we give the Lord praise and thanks? Lord, we're so grateful to be in your house today. So grateful to be in your presence. So thankful to you that you've kept us for another week. Brought us again to your house where we can praise your name and worship you. Your presence is in the room. And wherever you are, healing is there, deliverance is there, miracles are there, blessings are there. So we worship you, Lord. And we count it such a privilege just to call on your wonderful name. So we bless your name. And we praise you. And we thank you, dear Lord, for what you're going to do for us as we worship you on this day. In Jesus' name, thank God. Amen. Please be seated. Clap your hands again and give praise to the Lord. All the great things that God has done for us. Thank God I don't look like what I've been through. Would you tell your neighbor, I don't look like what I've been through. You never know what God has done, burdens that people are bearing, challenges that people face, trials that people come through, you had a terrible set of circumstances that confronted you this past week, but you made it to Sunday morning, and you're here, and you're praising God. I want to thank God for each and every one of you here present. Thank you for your presence here at West Angeles Church. I realize there are other places that you could have worshipped, but you blessed us by your presence. And you give yourselves a hand for being here on this day. <laughs> Ambassador Reverend Susan Cook, we're so glad to have you, along with your guest, Sister Thelma Day. You're a wonderful, renowned lady in our nation. You've made so many wonderful accomplishments that you would just come and sit in West Angeles on this morning. It's an honor and a blessing. Let's give her another rousing applause. Coach John Smith, we're glad to have you home. You have coached and trained many Olympic athletes in the area of track and field activities. And you've just gotten back from China where you are training Chinese athletes. And we're praising God for you. Would you and your wife please stand, Sister Alicia? Let's praise God for Coach John. And we celebrate Sister Renee Weathersvig. Let's give her another hand. She's worked with our Young Women's Christian Council and has coordinated so many great activities. I went to the conference that they had several weeks ago down in the South County and enjoyed them letting me sit in for a minute and then getting out of the way so they could go on and do 
what they were going to do and talk about what they wanted to talk about. They, 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 wouldn't, they wouldn't let me stay for all that. So. But we thank God for the Young Women's Christian Council, Sister Renee Weathersby. God bless you. Bless you. And I thank God that we are looking forward to a time together on this coming Saturday for breakfast with the bishop. Have I got something I want to talk to you about? I'm excited about it, and I hope that you'll be here to hear what I have to say. We've got great, wonderful news that's going to revolutionize the life of West Angeles Church. And so don't miss the breakfast with the bishop or any of the few meetings that I'll be having with you over the next few weeks. I've got great news that I want to share with each and every one of you. Miss Casey Keys is here on this morning. Where are you? You are civic consultant working with our church on some matters that are of significance. I shook your hand during prayer. She's somewhere. Let's give her a hand. She may be kind of indiscreet. All right. There you are, Casey. God bless you. Let's give her a rousing applause. But how about a word from the Lord? I'd like to remain seated in a very short verse. The word of the Lord says, but he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. Would you repeat that after me? But he knows the way that I take. And when he has tested me, I shall come forth. I shall come forth. I shall come forth as gold. Clap your hands for that rich word from the Lord. Too many people have no fixed course for their life. They have no specific life objective, a life destination. They have no deliberately selected goal. Too many lives have a fleeting, inconsistent quality about them. Birth, life, and death are all around us. 3.8 million babies are born in the U.S. each year. 2.7 million people live. 2.7 million families are bereaved. 2.7 million eulogies are presented. 2.7 graves are dug. 2.7 bodies may be created. These matters cross our minds occasionally. But most people hesitate to really contemplate them because they feel that such thoughts about life and death would spoil the fun, require too much effort. So they refuse to descend to such profound depths of thought because it's much easier for them to live in the shallow world of the here and the now. Many men have subconsciously reached the conclusion 
At the end of their life is so far in the distant future that they have some kind of lease on life that they can renew indefinitely. But James, the biblical writer, informs his readers who are long ago and us today that life is but a vapor. It appears for a while and then it vanishes away. Bible has much to say about the frailty and the brevity of life. All flesh is grass. There's but a step between me and death. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for you know not what a day may bring forth. Our days on earth are but a shadow, and there is none abiding. Power, wealth, and position don't mean a thing to death. This inevitable visitor enters the castle as readily as he enters the lowly shack, and he kisses the millionaire as quickly as he does the beggar. The Bible says wise men die. Likewise, the fool and the beautish person perish. There is no man who hath power over the spirit to retain the spirit, and neither hath he power in the day of death. Bible says it's once appointed unto men to die. You're going to die. I'm going to die. It may be today, it may be tomorrow. Don't be too sure that you're going to have many, many years before the time of your departure. Because each of us is just a flicker of light between the long past and the distant future. So the brevity of life and the inevitability of death should cause all men to use the time they have in the pursuit of noble and worthwhile objectives and to dedicate their thoughts to those things that matter. Lord, it's quiet in here. Shake hands to two people and tell them, use the time you have. Seek to learn what is the meaning of life. What is the purpose of life? Malak has said, what a death in life must an existence be whose sole aim is eating and drinking, splendid houses and splendid clothes. Not that these things are bad, but life must be something more than this if life is to really be worthwhile. Goethe said that a useless life is only an early death. Emerson said that life is hardly respectable if it has no generous tasks, no duties, no affections. So each individual determines the nature of his life. In this drama of life, each of us has one part to play and one time to play it. There has been no dress rehearsal. There'll be no second performance. You can choose the role of the hero or the villain, or you can contribute for good or for ill, or you may not contribute anything at all. You may be a leading actor or an actress or a member of the supporting cast. What part have you chosen? How are you playing the role? You don't have to be a star, but at least try to make a contribution on the side of good and on the side 
of progress. Why do we exist? What is our purpose? Miles Monroe says, to ascertain the purpose of a thing, you should ask the maker of that thing. So we're not on earth by accident. We're not the result of some purely natural process. God created us, and God reveals to us our purpose. The Bible says our purpose in Psalm 95 and 6, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. It's good and appropriate that each and every one of us should set our educational, financial, and professional goals. But these educational, financial, or professional goals are not meaningful life goals. They are not meaningful life purposes. And God must be primary. God must be primary, number one, because we are dependent on God. Acts 17 and 28 says, For in him we live, in him we move, in him we have our being. We live by his power and by his providence. So he ought to be first in our lives. God ought to be first in our lives because he's all wise and he knows what is best. 1 Corinthians 1.25 says, The foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Psalm 147.4, he counts the numbers of the stars and he calls them all by their name. Great is our God and his understanding is infinite. Look towards your neighbor and say, God is all wise and he knows what is best. There's a way that seems right to a man but the end thereof are the ways of death. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. How many of you know the Lord can direct and guide you in and through life? Number three, God must be primary because God alone can fulfill and satisfy the deep cravings of our soul and of our spirit. Psalm 73, 25, whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Psalm 42 and 1, as the deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul for thee, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Are there any thirsty people in the house today? God must be primary because if you seek after God and seek the will of God, everything else will take care of itself. Matthew 6, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things shall be added unto you. How many of you know God can add to our lives? God must be primary because he loves us. And he wants us to have an eternal relationship with him. Jeremiah 31 and 3 says, The Lord hath appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you 
with an everlasting love. And with loving kindness have I drawn you. And so Job in our text had dealt with all of this. He had chosen a course for his life. He said, the Lord knows the way that I take. I have set my purpose. I have set the goal and the objectives of my life. God knows the way that I take. And when he has tested me, Job said, I'm going to come out of this shining just like gold. Some people never make a choice. Some people let sins and whims and people decide the course of life for them. They let people pursue their aspirations and determine what they are to do. But the course you take determines the destination that you reach. Will you tell your neighbor the course you take determines the destination that you reach? Not only had Job selected a proper course and a proper destination for his life, Job had been tremendously successful in many areas of his life. When you're committed to God, God equips you for success and for blessings. But the Bible says in Job 1.1, there was a man in the land of us whose name was Job. That man was blameless and upright. He was one who feared God, who shined evil. Job had 11,000 animals on his vast lands. Sheep, camels, oxen, donkeys. He had 11,000 domestic animals. He had a large family, and he had a large staff of servants. Job was a bad Job 1.3 says he was the greatest man of all the people of the East. God was proud of Job. And the devil was determined to make Job renounce God and forsake God and lose his integrity and lose his record of righteousness. The devil doesn't like you. He's a roaring lion who goes to and fro seeking whom he may devour. And the devil is conspiring right now to undermine and thwart your future and your destiny. Hallelujah. The devil was determined to make Job renounce God. And so God allowed Job to go through a series of calamities to let everyone know that bad things do happen to good people. Turn to your neighbor and say, bad things happen to good people. But bad things must not be allowed to turn us away from God. Bad things happen. Job was written to encourage us. Job was God's champion, God's model that God selected to set him forth as an example of righteousness and perseverance. And when Job came through, that was the message to all of us that we can make it too. Come on, clap your hands and give praise to God. The devil launched an attack against Job that was designed to devastate Job economically. Enemies came against him. They took all of his herds, 
took all of his flocks away. Within a few days, Job became a poor man. And almost at the same time, his sons and daughters were having a celebration in a certain house. And a storm arose and caused the house to collapse, killing all of God, Job's sons and all of his daughters. And when Job arose, Job 1.20, he tore his robe, shaved his head, fell to the ground, and worshiped. Strange that that word would show up at that place. One would expect that he would have cursed. One would have expected that he would have lost his temper. One would have said that he kicked to the door. He fell on the floor. But no, Job, when all this stuff happened to him, Job fell down before God and began to call on God. And if you don't get any other lesson that I have to share on today, I want you to know that you, when you face adversity, trouble, and distress, don't lose your temper or lose your cool. Lift your hand toward God and begin to praise him and worship him and give him glory and give him honor. Lord, I worship you. Lord, I bless you. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Forget not all, my all thy benefits. Dear Lord, I bless you. I praise you. Thy will be done. Your kingdom come. Job, worship. Are there any worshipers in the house? I worship you. I worship you. I praise you. I thank you. You're still God. You're still good. Satan launched an attack against Job. Enemies came against him and took his flocks away, but Job fell down before God and worshiped God and began to praise him. Are you a worshiper today? But then there's more. If this was not enough, Job 2.7 says that Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. He took for himself a potsherd, a piece of pottery, or broken dish, and began to scrape the boils and the scabs and the excess decaying tissue from his body. And he sat in the midst of ashes. And in verse 9, the Bible says, his wife said to him, do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. I know that really hurt. Job said, listen, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God and shall we not accept adversity? And the Bible says, in all this, Job did not sin with his lips are in his heart. Job kept on worshiping, kept on trusting God. When the person who on earth should have been closer to him and more supportive of him than anybody else, when she said, Job, just die, just curse God, Job said, Lord, I'm praising you. I'm thanking you. He turned his heart away from people, and he turned his heart toward Almighty God. Listen, if you're looking to folk, you are bound for a letdown. If you're depending on people, you're bound to be disappointed. But my trust is in the name of the Lord. And in his name, but I rely all of my life. Come on and give praise to God. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. His calamity was economic, but his calamity was also emotionally devastating. His children were dead. His wife despised him and wanted him to die. But it was also physical. It was emotional. It was economic. It was physical because that skin condition was so painful that he wished it had, that he had not been born on the face of the earth. But then Job said in the words of the text, he knows the way that I take. God knows the choice I made about my life. God knows my heart. Before you take one step, before you make a move, God knows the choice that you've made. Tell your neighbor before you make one step, before you make one move, God knows the choice that you've made. You may even be stumbling and falling and getting up and trying again, but God knows. It's good that you've made a choice and it's good that you're going to try your best to walk. God knows and God will help you if your heart is set on pleasing him. If you want to do the will of God, God will help you. And may I tell you how you see yourself is very significant. You may be on the ground, but it makes a difference if you see yourself as a bird or as a worm. God knows what's in your heart. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And if there's a willing mind, the Bible says, it is acceptable. When God sees the right thing in your heart, God will reach out to you and help you. And some people, because they can't fly, they won't even try. But you will never learn to fly in God until you decide to try in God. The Bible says that God works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And if you've got a desire, if you've got a will, if you've made up your mind, you're going to walk. You're going to endure for God. God will come in and he will lift you higher than you've ever been lifted before. I'd rather see you trying. I'd rather see you stumbling and falling and getting up again and trying again. I'd rather see you even failing but still putting forth effort to succeed and overcome your shortcomings. I'd rather see you doing that than to see you deliberately lying flat on the ground and giving up. But you tell two people, don't give up. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount upon wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. But I love to turn it around. You've got to walk before you run. You've got to run before you fly. So I say, they that wait on the Lord, they shall walk and not be weary. They shall run and not get weary. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. If you do that, you'll go higher and higher and higher every day, higher in the power of God, in the might of God. And so how many of you want to reach the height that God hath in store for you? I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I'm upward bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Would you just say it again? Higher. God not only knew the course that Job had taken. He knew the course that Job 
had made up his mind he was going to take. And so in the face of malicious gossip, in the, in the face of scandalous accusations, Job cried out, he knows. People were talking about it. Individuals were criticizing him. But he said, you all talk all you want to talk. But he knows. Isn't it wonderful that the Lord knows? People will always speculate. But God knows. And God never listens to anybody's gossip. I'm glad the Lord did not listen to you in making decisions about me. God already has the whole story and the right story before anybody else says a word. And so I just want to tell you today, do right and don't worry about people's talk. Don't worry about what they say. They will always talk. But the ways of man are before the Lord, and the Lord pondereth all of his doings. Why don't you say praise the Lord? God knows. And what we need to remember that not only does God know, but unseen angels know, and demons know. And you must not only deal with people, you've got to deal with God also. And you can't hide some things from people but you can't hide them from God. And so Brother Job said, he knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, child of God, you're going to have to be tried. You can't go to the next grade till you pass the course on this grade. Trials and difficulties don't mean that God is not watching. And it don't mean that God does not care. It does not mean that you failed God. It just means that God wants to take you to a higher level. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It takes four things before you can have a rock. It takes time. Then it takes moisture. And it takes pressure. Hallelujah. If you want to have a rock, and then it takes heat. No heat, no pressure, no time. You may end up with a mud ball, but you won't have a rock. And sometimes we begin to complain as we go through our trials and through our distress. Sometimes we complain when the way is rough. But God says, I'm just making you a rock. I'm just making you what you can be. Job said, when I and tried, I will come forth shining just like gold. Say praise the Lord. Shining just like gold. Being the person the Lord would have me to be. Job could look back on what he was going through. He would look back on the life he had lived. And his righteous life gave him the courage to say, I know I've sought to please my Savior. I know I've served him with all my heart, and he's going to bring me out of this. Grab your neighbor by the hand and say, neighbor, God is going to bring you out of this. Hallelujah. So Job started talking to the Lord. Naked came I from my mother's womb. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord all the days of my appointed time 
I'm going to wait until my change comes. I'm going to hold on to my faith. I'm not going to let go. I'm going to live for God till I die. I'm going to live for God till I come to the end of the road. Hallelujah. Job kept on affirming his determination to hold on to the Lord. And he said he knows the choice I've made. And when he has tried me, I'm coming out of this. Child of God, time will test you. Adversity will test you. Deprivation will test you. But you can't move to the next level until you pass the test on this level. So Job held on. And after a while, God gave Job his I said God gave Job his Let everybody say turn around Turn around Things are going to turn around I know the load is heavy I know the burden is great I know the road is tough But God has a turnaround In store for you God finally said, listen, Job, you suffered long enough, and there's a time when God says, long enough. And I just came back to tell you today that this is the time of your long enough. You've suffered long enough. You've endured long enough. You've borne the burden long enough. You've gone through trials long enough. It's time for God to bring you out and bring you over. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, I'm coming out, I'm coming over in the name of Jesus. Let me tell you what God did for Job. Job prayed to God and he prayed even for his friends. And the Bible says that the Lord restored the losses of Job when he prayed for his friends. If you're going through a trial, Stop worrying about yourself and began to pray for somebody else. Lord, bless my friend. Bless my neighbor. Bless my associate in the name of Jesus. And when God saw Job praying for his friends, God turned, I said he turned the affliction of Job and brought Job out. Job lost all his children, but God gave him twice as many children. Job lost all his lands and houses, but God gave him twice as much. Job lost all his livestock, 11,000, but God gave him 22,000. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, God's going to bring you double for your trouble. Come on, say it again, double. For your trouble, God knows. I said, God knows. Before you make a step, before you make a move, God knows. And God says, I'm going to stay with you and bring you out of every adversity. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy, I said, joy will come in the morning. Grab your neighbor by the hand and say, neighbor, 
Hold on to your faith. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy. you're going through. God knows the trial that you're enduring, the burden that you're bearing. God knows the sickness. God knows the economic dilemmas. God knows the emotional stress. God knows. Just come and bring it before the Lord. He cannot fail for he is God. He cannot fail. He pledged his word. He 
Jesus Christ our Savior who rose again from the dead I proclaim that by the same power that you raised Jesus from the dead you are delivering and saving individuals from dilemmas and problems and needs and challenges they are rising up out of them and above them in the name of Jesus I proclaim that this is the time of turnaround Let's praise God for turn around. God is turning your life, turning your challenge, turning your situation around in the name of Jesus. Lord, thank you for healing. Thank you for deliverance. Thank you for setting free. Thank you for the miracle. Come on, say thank you. Thank you for the miracle. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, be healed, be delivered, be set free. Lay your hand on your chest. Dear Lord, you said these signs will follow them that believe in my name. They will lay hands on the sick. Dear Lord, I lay hands on myself in the name of Jesus. Believing you for deliverance and for healing. Now give God thanks and give him praise for your miracle. Thank you for healing. Thank you for setting free. Thank you for delivering. Lift up that hand and say, by faith, I'm healed. Say it again, by faith, I'm delivered. By faith, I am set free. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord.
Now tell three people, I'm coming out. I'm coming out in the name of Jesus. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Hallelujah. Go back to your seats, claiming your deliverance, claiming your miracle, your deliverance in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah.